0: And this is Sass with Cass. Wait, you the wrong number. Wait, Sass, Sass, Oh my fucking God, I'm like professionally sorry for that. <laughs> Welcome to this episode of Sass with Cass. I'm your host, Cassandra Grodd, and I'm the best-selling author of both Bully and Darling. It is my intention behind creating this podcast to share with you my passion around helping others feel like their most confident selves. Even if this podcast is just able to give you a smile or something to lighten up your day, I really hope that I can share my love for healing, beauty, sex, life, and everything in between. Thank you so much for tuning in and welcome to the self-love club. Hey guys, I am just jumping on here at the very, very start just with a little disclaimer for you all. Uh, The following episode, as you can tell by the title, is about my eating disorder, specifically my struggle with bulimia. I know that not everybody is in the space to hear this information nor want to, so I am just giving you a really clear exit sign right now that if you find ED talk triggering or bad for your mental health, please exit this. I've got a bunch of other podcasts you could listen to go read a book. Don't worry about this. Um, This episode is really just for anyone who wants to hear this stuff, needs to hear this stuff. Um, I kind of wish I had this to listen to, and I'm just going to run over my timeline with it and answer your questions. Uh, So that's the content I'm going to cover. I just think it's really, really important to make that kind of thing crystal clear at the start. So yes, please click out if you do find this stuff triggering. Also, I am not a qualified doctor nor psychologist. This podcast is purely just my experience. This is not me telling you what I think you should do. It's literally just the story of what worked for me to hopefully give you some light and motivation and a little bit of hope at the end of the tunnel, maybe. Uh, So yeah, and now that that's all out of the way, I hope you enjoy this episode. Bye. Welcome back to Sass with Cass, guys. I am really, really excited for this episode. Uh it's something that I've wanted to talk about for a long time and it's something that I actually haven't spoken about like you've if you've read bully or darling or you follow me on social media you've probably heard me mention it but I've never ever like laid it out crystal clear um and I am definitely pretty nervous to do so. I mean I think to cover this topic for me I would need to do like 10 podcasts because if you've had an eating disorder, you know how, like, no, no matter what I could say to you, you'd never understand the length of it. And I know that everyone's journey is so individual and unique. So this is really just my journey. Um, I ask that you please be kind in any feedback. Uh, yeah, I'm nervous. I have, like, butterflies in my stomach. So, and I haven't really planned this very much. I'm just going to honestly, like... I'm just going to freestyle, see what comes out. <laughs> okay, so starting off, I I basically struggle to remember a time when I wasn't conscious about my body, and I know that there was a time where that existed, but I just can't like recall it. You know what I mean? And the point of me saying that is like This has been something that's been part of my life for, for what literally feels like to me since the moment I was born. And I'm talking about memories I have, like, you know, we were doing a school production and we all had a school dance and we all had to wear like the same, same thing to the dance for the performance. And it was this pink dress and it was to the song, She's a Mod, and we got changed I was with two of my friends, I won't say their names, and, you know, they we all got changed and they turned and they looked at me and they were like, whoa, like, your body's so different, like, you look like Beyonce. And I had these, like, really big wide hips and all their bodies just went, like, perfectly narrow because we were, like, eight years old. And I know now that having wide hips is trendy. Thank you, Kim Kardashian. I hate that women's bodies go in and out of trends. Like, what the fuck? That shouldn't be a thing. But my point is, like, yes, it's more acceptable to be curvy, I guess. Ugh, I hate that, but whatever. But back then, like, when you're seven years old and you look different to all your friends, you know, that's a very, very strong memory I have. I used to ride horses and... I would see photos of me on the horses and I would, like, the first thing I would notice about a photo of me riding a horse was how wide my thighs were. Like, I would I would be like, oh, looking wide today, Looking legs looking skinnier, legs looking wider. And I would judge myself and compare myself to my friend's thighs. And to put that in perspective, I started horse riding when I was about six years old. So I don't necessarily know what started it. I remember, you know, finding Tumblr. Tumblr was really cool. If you had Tumblr, shout out Tumblr. If you're too young to know what that is, you're a baby. (laughs) I had a Tumblr and I found a huge amount of blogs that are kind of titled like Pro Anna or Pro Mia on Tumblr. And I remember getting a lot of information from those blogs And I actually wrote about it in Bully. I found a blog of a girl at my school. She was like a popular girl, a cool girl, and she had this blog about bulimia. And I didn't know it was bulimia at the time, but it was tactics around eating loads of food and then making yourself sick. And it was like how she did it at school, etc. And the blog had a lot of followers, but. I was kind of like, what the heck, this is the cool girl who sits in class in front of me and she has this blog. And I actually ended up like chatting to her anonymously to this day. She has no idea it was me and like sharing tips. And I remember that becoming a really big gateway for me to get into this. I, As I said in Bully, if you've read Bully, I feel like I'm just repeating the pages a bit, but I cannot remember the first time I made myself sick, it is something that I started really young, really young. And it, it started so young that I almost felt like everyone was doing it. And one thing that was really hard for me was distinguishing that that wasn't normal, and I subconsciously knew it wasn't normal because I hid it. And a lot of people asked me when I asked for questions, thank you for all your questions. We got a bunch. A lot of people asked me, How do you know when you have an eating disorder? And I was thinking about my answer. And my answer to that is when you're hiding something. Right? When it's it's there's a certain level of being unsatisfied with your body versus an eating disorder. One really clear thing to me is like, what are you keeping behind closed doors? What are you not telling your parents and not telling your friends? Because although I justified my behavior to myself, I knew it wasn't right. You know what I mean? And if I was just like dissatisfied with my body, I'd be like, hey, mom and dad, can I join a gym Would do you want to go for a run with me? Like, it wasn't like that, you know, like throwing up t- nine, 12 times a day is, is not like that. And... You know, the school I went to at the time was an all-girls school, and I don't want to put blame onto that or anything. It's it's my own journey, but a lot of girls at my school really triggered me. They were teeny tiny, you know, sharing diets and diet tips was not abnormal at the school. I remember, you know, walking past girls sitting in a circle at lunch, and they would all put their lunch in the middle of the circle, and whoever ate it first lost, or people, they, they would share diet tips like so effortlessly. They'd rip out pages of their mum's Cosmopolitan magazine and, you know, be like, okay, we're only going to eat apples today and all these like insane diets. Like, I swear girls were eating like cotton balls. I remember one girl went on holiday in Europe and she came back and she was visibly like six kg skinnier. And I asked her what she did and she told me how she'd been on this diet plan in Paris. And we were like literally probably 13 or 14 at that time. She was like, you know, I only had like this and this and this. And she was like, it was so easy because I my parents would go out, you know, and they wouldn't realize I wasn't eating and, you know, we'd be out traveling and I could walk a lot. Like, unfortunately for me, I think the school I did go to 100% encouraged, not encouraged it, the school didn't encourage it, but it encouraged it in me, the environment I was in. I also think, you know, for our generation, growing up with the internet and seeing more media and media images than ever, like that 100% would have made a difference, you know, even my story about Tumblr or whatever. So I went through school and I don't know, it started to get really messy around about 16, you know, that was when, I started to actually sort of like like boys, and if, if that boy didn't like me back, or if something happened in my life that didn't fulfill my emotional needs, I would turn to binging and purging, and it became a really vicious cycle. Uh, at some points, it was worse. At some points, it was better, but... it it was overall pretty bad. I ended up moving school and actually going to boarding school and at boarding school, I couldn't hide it as much. You know, I remember someone caught me throwing up in the bathroom and then I had to go to the nurse and pretend I had like food poisoning. The amount of times I pretended I had food poisoning was insane. At swimming sports, which is like, if you don't have that, it's like a sport competition day. I like fainted standing up to get on a podium. And I ended up being taken taken to like a medical center. And I told everyone it was like from anxiety. But I was, I'm actually a really good swimmer. I was a really good swimmer at the time. I just hadn't kept food down for like three days. So I had a couple friends that picked up on it. And I always just like brushed it to the side. Um, and coming out of school was when it started to turn a little bit and change into... A sort of battle with orthorexia I became super obsessed with working out like six seven eight nine ten times a week and going for runs like running to the gym and doing two gym classes like I know a lot of you know the vibes about that and I would what what kind of started to happen was I was so strict on myself with what foods I could eat that if i ever ate a food that i hadn't deemed like safe then i would make myself sick so safe foods for me were like protein powder chicken broccoli like not safe foods were like pasta bread cereal muffins like anything so even if i was like out to dinner and i had like a you know a really healthy meal but with a piece of bread bang, that wasn't a safe food, and I would go make myself sick. So it was sort of this, like, it morphed from a control thing and, like, almost a habitual thing when I was much younger into being of th- something that affected me nearly 24 hours a day because the foods that I had deemed not safe were endless. And I came up against them all the time, because I would see other people eating them, and then that would trigger me. Now, because I wasn't eating enough food, and I was working out all the time, so my poor body had no fuel in its tank, of course, I would be in, you know, in so much of a scarcity mindset that something would happen, and I'd click and just completely binge, and I would drive to New World, New World's actually like a really big trigger for me, I would drive to New World and buy Ghislaine chocolates and like Move and Pick and donuts and like caramel slice and ice cream and like puddings and biscuits and just binge and binge and binge and and make myself sick and then binge binge and binge and binge and make myself sick. And that was the most destructive, I think, when it started to move into it, it moved out of like habitual, it moved out of me doing it when I hadn't eaten healthy. And this is very regular, by the way, like throughout these years, we're talking like two, three times a day. And it moved into, I'm actually going to seek out and purchase excess amounts of unhealthy food. And, you know, as I got older, I had access to a car and my own money and that kind of didn't help. And plus I'd, I had this sort of 10 years of experience behind me. So when I, it it kept going. And the thing when I got a bit older is I started, I'll talk about like my parents and my family and everything, but I started to really realize that this had a massive control over me. You know, I felt like a puppet and whatever it said went. I felt like I had a shadow behind me that said jump, and I said how high. And anyone who's listening to this and in that same position, whether you have bulimia or not, I fucking get it. Like I have your back. I understand, because there's a time when Like recovery or changing or healing seems impossible because your eating disorder seems like it's outside of you. It seems like it's not your thing to change. It literally feels like you're living with a demon and you wake up and you just have this evil twin beside you. So it's like, yeah, I can fucking think positive and like work out. It doesn't even matter because what she says goes, you know, at least that's how I felt. So... I got really into traveling very, very, very young. I moved to London, then to Manchester with my best friend Molly. And the reason I love traveling looking back was that it gave me permission to be myself. And I didn't feel the pressure of the girls I went to school with and the cool girls and the people who bullied me or were mean to me or this whole scene and world that I felt like I'd been a part of in my hometown. I felt like I could just get a fresh start and run away. So for me traveling was actually very healing because it showed me I was much stronger than I thought and some like some of my most at peace moments and I'm talking specifically with my eating disorder here, have been traveling. You know, I would go without doing it for two weeks, three weeks, maybe a month. And, you know, I'm not saying that I wouldn't relapse because I would. There'd be moments, especially in Manchester or even in LA, you know, last year, 100% there's moments I relapsed. But it just wasn't as consistent as it was in my hometown, And again, this is my shit. I'm not blaming it on exterior sources. You cannot blame things on exterior sources. And I've learned to like deprogram my triggers, but it does explain to a lot of you probably why I've, I've constantly been such a traveler. Um, and New York was, so in 2018, I went to New York and in New York was the first time I didn't make myself sick for like two and a half months, I think. And what happened? I gained like 10 kgs because my body was, you know, like, finally, we've got this food and I was living life and, you know, whatever, and like, not not working out as much. And when I gained that 10 kgs, I felt so, so uncomfortable and unhappy in myself that I was kind of like, well, look, you know, you have to, Act like this, you have to have, you have to throw up, you have to, you know, have this relationship with food. Otherwise, you'll be completely unhappy with your body. So that spiraled me for a little bit when I was in LA, and I definitely had ups and downs then. And then when I came back from LA recently, end of last year, was when something really, really changed for me. And I had made progress in the last two years of being far more inconsistent with this behavior. But this last year, like I'm so proud to say, has been my best year ever. I can count on one hand the amount of times I've made myself sick this entire year. I think it was maybe once or twice. I have the best relationship with food I've ever had, the best relationship with my body. I completely love myself. And I have literally transformed Who I am, how I react, how I eat, how I behave. Like when I see people that I knew even like three years ago, I genuinely feel like I need to reintroduce myself because hand on heart, the growth I've made in the last three years, but especially this year, guys, honestly is off the charts. And that's the first thing I want to say is like, it is possible to heal, you know what I mean? Like, it. this is real. This is not a fad or a fraud. You can rewire your brain. You can change your energy. You can step into your power and you can fucking beat this thing. And you know what? You can do it on your own. Like, yes, I think we should all ask for help and ask for tools when we need it. And probably, you know, there'll be people who need it more or less, whatever. But I want you to know that at the end of the day, despite meds or therapy or therapist or your best friend or your mom or whatever it is your behavior and your decisions and your actions are your own okay like i'm literally tearing up saying this like it is your choice it's your life it's your two feet like if you don't like where this is going fucking change the direction of the car you know what i mean like don't for one second think that You're not strong enough to do this because you are like I was, I did it. And I'm not like abnormal. You know, we all have this within us anyway. So to answer your probably obvious question is like, how did the people in my life react? When you have bulimia or any eating disorder, you're literally like a private detective, like you're like a full scale spy And for a very long time, no one knew, especially when I was much younger, because I think it's just something that you never think your kid would be doing. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's just something that you'd never assume was happening. I remember around 17 or 18, we were in the car and my mum said, have you been making yourself sick? And I just leapt to the defense. I was like, no, like blah, blah, blah. And she's like, she was noticing like the toilet was dirty. This is a bit gross, but like the rim underneath had like obviously fucking vomit on it. And I was like, oh shit, now I've got to start cleaning the toilet. So I proceeded cleaning the toilet every time after I'd make myself sick. And then my dad told my mom, like, every time, like, she's cleaning the toilet. That's not normal behavior. You don't do that every time you go to the toilet. And then my mom was like, dad keeps hearing you cleaning the toilet. Like, what are you cleaning? And I was like, oh, nothing. I just have, like, bowel issues. (laughs) Like, it's so funny. No, it's not funny. but." And so then I got into the process of running the shower. So I would run the shower or run water to hide what I was doing from them Um, and then they picked up on that and it just they knew you know they knew and I think it wasn't until I was about 19 actually I think it was when I started to sort of naturally try and heal myself like I did try and change a little bit that I opened up to them and of course my mum was very upset. My mum is a clinical psychologist, guys. So a lot of you guys asked me if I got therapy. I have like at at times seen certain professionals who've been helpful, but I've I've it wasn't my journey seeing a psychologist to completely change me. But within saying that, my mum was a clinical psychologist. So she did help me a lot. But the problem with my mum is like I love my mom so much and we have a fantastic relationship, but like any child with any parent, there were things that triggered me about how she felt about herself. So it's hard to like, you know, like, it's kind of like working with your partner. Like, how do you have a psychologist and a mum? But she did give me really good tools that helped. Um, and then as soon as I opened up to mom, I just was like, wait, that felt really good. And I opened up to some friends and they took it really well. Most of my friends were like, yeah, bro, we fucking knew. And I was like, wait, talking about this is like fucking awesome. And so I started writing about it. And I, you know, started the page quotes with Cass and I started writing Bully, which was about my, you know, journey with bulimia. And that was honestly, guys, that was my healing. Like, something about it just lit me up. And someone asked me, like, was there a positive lesson you learned from your eating disorder that you're grateful for? Guys, I would not be recording this if I didn't have an eating disorder. I would not have had a book, let alone two books. I wouldn't have started quotes with Cass. I wouldn't be Cass Grodd. I wouldn't have an Instagram page. I wouldn't be recording this podcast. I wouldn't have my career. It literally gave me everything because- I realized with my story and my voice and the fact I was able to talk about it. And guys, I don't know what makes me able to talk about it. I don't know if it's insane courage or fate or it's my life purpose. I've got no idea. But I started talking about it and people started listening and telling me that it had helped them. Like, I've had readers come up to me at music festivals and being like, hey, I was in hospital for a month with anorexia. My mom gave me your book. You cured me. And stories like that, like... That fucking rocks me. Like, I don't care how many followers or books I sell, whatever it is, if I help one person with this story, like, that's what made me able to talk about it. And that was such a huge chunk of my healing. But of course, it wasn't easy. And especially, like, I remember guys I I was dating would kind of figure it out eventually. And it was, like, really awkward because they wouldn't know what to say. And it was also just, like, this secret, like, shadowy piece of myself. So whenever a guy knew that about me, I felt, like, super, super close to them. Because I was, like, he knows this about me and he doesn't, like, judge me. Um, So, yeah, um, that was kind of the trajectory of it. And I guess the fact that I like literally wrote a book about it is very different from a lot of people uh, in terms of their stories. Um, one thing that did really help me was I saw an amazing, amazing naturopath. If you if you do if this does resonate, just let me know and I'll tell you her name if you're in the Auckland area. But she was like a huge, huge help to me. She was. Gave me natural remedies that really supported my anxiety. And when I got my anxiety down, it really helped with my eating disorder. And she would do my blood work. And she was just honest and caring and kind. And she's very, very qualified. I think she's also a psychologist too. So seeing her regularly and getting my health and my body good was also pivotal for me. Okay, so... I am just going to jump into questions because I'm finding it like honestly quite hard to just, anyway, <sighs> big topic guys. Um, what was the moment you realized you needed to change? A lot of people were asking about like this breaking point. Like, did you have a breaking point? Honestly, guys, like I was just sick of falling victim to this behavior. It was ruining my life. And the other thing about this is, like, if you have binge eating disorder, it's fucking expensive. And when you're a student and you're a bit younger or whatever, like, even right now, I don't have $40 a day to just go throw up. Like, that's insane. So that side of it was really starting to bug me. Um, And I just hated that. I'd I'd feel like I had got a control over it and then something would happen. I'd just spiral. So there wasn't... I can't pick like one major moment that made me realize I wanted to change. Every single time I threw up and my head was over the toilet and I was holding the bowl, shaking, convulsing with snot running out of my nose and my eyes streaming, that was the moment. And that was happening like three times a day. Like every time I was in that situation, I knew I needed to change. And anyone who has this knows that moment because it is not pretty. It is not glamorous. It is not cute. It is not like, oh, eating disorder. It is raw and disgusting and vile. And you feel like the scum of the earth. And in that moment, every single day, I knew I needed to change. But it's just like, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Um, How did you know you had it? That was kind of what I was saying about, I literally have, I literally don't even remember my life without it, but anything, I think the really obvious thing is like anything you're hiding, any behavior you're hiding, anything that you're not proud of, that's an issue. You know what I mean? Um, Was there anything particular your friends did to help you? Yeah. So a lot of people, it's really sweet. Like a lot of people ask me about friendship, how to know when their friend might have one, Honestly, I think if you have a gut instinct, honor that and trust that. You know, humans are pack animals and we have instinct for a reason. And if you're picking up on something between you and your, like, bet- with your friend, you're probably right. But it's very important to go about it in a super respectful way. I think, like, interventions are the worst idea ever. It just makes people feel ganged up on. I think if someone had like sent me a message and just, there were a couple friends that were just like, Hey, I heard yourself making yourself sick. And they just gave me no way to like skirt around it. And when they said it that obviously to me, I was like, Oh fuck. But I know with anorexia, it's not as like audible. (laughs) It's not maybe as obvious. um, So just like a really kind text message or just writing a little letter like, hey, I'm kind of worried about you. I just want you to know I've got your back and I love you. At the end of the day, guys, this is this person's individual journey. And whilst you can help and like try and help and support, at the end of the day, there's nothing you can really do to change their behavior. Like, trust me. And I think that goes for life. You know, We can't change how other people act. We can just change how we react to it. So if you're younger, 100% reaching out to that person's parents could be good. Um, if they don't maybe have parental connections and adult or, you know, even a helpline, I can link some in the show notes or something like that. But I think first things first just having a really open and honest conversation with your friend and not coming at them as an attack, just coming at them as like a, hey, I know I can't change this for you. Just want you to know, dude, I love you. Like, that's all it needs to be. Um, my friends, I think the main things, thing my friends did for me was like, listen, because when I realized that talking about it felt really good, like not even to like a therapist, like just to normal people they were really non-judgmental and that's one thing I'd really encourage. Like if you do have a friend going through this and they do start opening up, be super non-judgmental. Just be like, cool, this is an interesting perspective. Okay, can kind of see it from your way. And they just ask me really like relevant and insightful questions and that's probably because my friends are like the smartest people ever. But even today when I bring it up, they're just like, Really chill, very, very open and honest and interested and there for me and just very present in the conversation. So that is the main thing that I would say they did to support me. Um, Was recovery an aha moment or gradual? Yeah, definitely gradual. It's funny. I feel like I had two years of being like, I don't want to behave like this. And trying everything, like, going to the naturopath, like, going to the doctor, going to the psychologist, like, reading the books, you know, traveling, trying to get out of it, trying to, you know, form a better relationship with exercise, like, all these kind of things, and then this year... I swear to God, it's like everything I've done for the last two years just clicked and something just clicked and there is something to be said for making a conscious decision. You know what I mean? I don't think you wake up one day and you're just like, this is gone now. I think you literally wake up and you go, this is a light switch and I'm going to decide to turn it off today and things pop up or things trigger you like I would be completely lying if I don't look at like a plate of KFC and just be like trigger happy And I, in that moment, I literally say to myself, like, this is a light switch and we're turning it off now. Like, I literally talk myself down and it's super important to be able to do that and have control of your thoughts because they're not your reality. Um, And mastering mindset and control of thoughts is huge. Uh, How do I talk to a friend with an eating disorder? with kindness, with love, please don't be aggressive or never come from a place of like, I know you're doing this. And remember, I know that's kind of what my, some, some people have said to me, like, I hate, I heard you doing this, but they said it with a lot of like clarity and calmness. Uh, do you still struggle with the urge slash setbacks? 100%, 100% I do. And the thing about that is like the more you have, like the, the, the less frequently you, you utilize this behavior, the less frequently you want to, you know, it's literally like an addict. You have to get used to weaning yourself off it. And looking back, that's probably what I did for two years. It's like, I weaned off it. I weaned off it. I weaned off it. And then this year I kind of actually had begun to change the way I think because your brain is hardwired with software that you've downloaded throughout your life, right? Your li- your brain is literally running a broken record of what it thinks is true. So when I was acting and, you know, when I had bulimia and Orthorexia, whatever it was, my record that I was playing in my mind at the time was that this was the right decision. That's the thing with eating disorders, you always tell yourself it's the right decision. I would be making myself sick and be saying, This is such a good idea. That food was so unhealthy. You're doing a good thing for your body. You know, you always justify it. And that that was the only choice I had, that that's how I was going to get the body I wanted and the life I wanted, and it was going to make me feel better. And I had to consciously change that record. You know what I mean? And the way the brain works, there will be moments where the system falters and it wants to put that old record on, you know, certain things, certain, I feel like I've said the word trigger a thousand times, like drink every time I say trigger, certain things pop up and they, they bring you down, you know, like, I don't know, whatever, whatever your triggers are, they bring you down. But of course it comes up for me and like that light switch moment, I just say to myself, like, this is not your choice. I think the thing that really helps me with that is like I love the gym. I have a very healthy relationship with the gym now. I go three or four times a week. I absolutely love it. I have an incredible coach who's helped me so much with my mindset. I'll always be completely grateful to her because she's really showing me that, shout out Rosa, that what I need to achieve my fitness goals is not what I was doing. And at the end of the day, if you want to eat muscle, eat muscle. No, you don't want to do that. If you want to gain muscle you need to eat food and I was doing all this heavy lifting and not eating any food so of course I wasn't progressing and like now I want a fat ass so you know so whenever I do get triggered I just think that never worked. it never gave me what I wanted it never ever ever, ever in 10 years bought one result that I told myself it was gonna have. It was like the worst fucking diet plan ever. Eating disorders is the biggest con because you think you do it and you get the body you want and you get anything but the body you want. When I began nourishing my body, eating good food, you know, working out, at you know, a normal amount, drinking water, getting sleep, I got the body of my dreams. And I was eating so much food, so much awesome, amazing food that I could balance out. So now that I've experienced that, and it's hard when you haven't experienced that, but now that I have experienced that and I have experienced the muscle growth and the definition and I've fucking done like bikini shoots this year, guys, like what the fuck? Like I was looking at photos of me, I remember... Shannon, who's also a coach at um, RSW, she took a video of me in a a red bikini, standing in like a wave doing a photo shoot, and I just watched that video like a hundred times, and I was like, is that me? Like, I was so proud of myself, like, and I don't even mean this to sound vain, I don't give a fuck, like, I have abs in that video, I love my wide hips in that video, my hip dips, shout out hip dips, cute as fuck, like, she is sister snapped. And I got to that point eating food, not throwing it up. So now when I have the urge or I get triggered, I just think of that and I just think, hell nah, sister, like this is not going to work. It never has worked. It's the biggest fraud. It It made me feel so unhappy and bad about myself. And there's this whole other life where you get to enjoy things and not feel like shit. So now it is so much easier when you start to experience that, guys. And I have full sympathy that not everyone listening to this has experienced that. Because, but take it from me, like, it's fucking real, okay? So that's how I kind of handle setbacks. I'm just like, uh, this is the better choice to so eat my dinner and keep it inside me. Um, How long did it take to recover? Honestly, I think I'm still recovering. I think you know, what is recover, you know, what is healing, you know, I, like I was saying earlier, it's like living with that shadow or that demon. And I think for me, it was not about killing the demon or killing the shadow. It was about looking at that and thinking, you know, how can I be your friend? And I talk about this a lot in the books, like, how can I hold your hand? How can I sit with you? How can I give you what you need at this moment? My little sad eating disorder self, who's probably in a child, but you know, what, what do you need and, and how can I, onboard that and make you feel comfortable, because I think to shoot down the demon is just completely unrealistic, and I think it's possibly impossible. I think it's about owning the shitty parts about you, because at the end of the day, your shadow side is part of you, and it's intricate, and it's there for a reason. Like, I 100% went through this for a reason. As I said, I would not be here if I hadn't gone through that. I think it literally was shaping who I would become in the in the weirdest way. I know that sounds insane, but I hope you can get what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, I think it's a lifelong process of becoming friends with your shadow. Uh, how do I find the strength to talk about it? Kind of touched on this a little bit. I wish I could tell you guys, and I have always had this thing where I feel more comfortable talking to a crowd than I do talking to a person one-on-one. And I've had it my whole life. Like, I used, I remember we had, like, speeches we had to do at school. And I didn't even prepare it. And I stood up and did an impromptu speech on why everyone should learn interpretive dance. Like, literally, I just took the piss. And I got through to speech finals. And I was like, I don't even know, how, like, what I said. And I had to, like, remake up the whole speech again. I just, like, loved it. Like, I never had an issue like going into productions, I had like a lot of like funny roles. I played like the lead man in one production I was in, you know, going on book tour when I've done like radio interviews, like even this right now, you know, thousands of people listen to this and I'm just like, what's up, let's party to tell you all my secrets. But when it's me one-on-one, I struggle more. Like, I don't know why. And it's just like part of who I am. I love, I literally love public speaking and I think when I started to talk about it, especially on my Instagram page, which at the time was really small, I mean, I'm still really small, but really small, Um, and I would have, you know, as I was saying, like, girls reach out and be like, you helped me so much, that just became like my elixir, like, it was literally like my elixir for life, that something I could do would help someone else who was where I was at, I was just like, god damn, I gotta keep doing this shit, you know, it was like a drug for me and it kind of built like community for me too. I felt like I wasn't alone. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, I think I get the strength to talk about it just from the strength of the people who listen to what I have to say, you know, they make me strong and I recognize the strength in all of you as well. Uh where were your family and friends? I had, you know, ups and downs with friendships growing up. I'm not going to lie. Like I had really big ups and downs. I had a time at school where I was really badly bullied. Uh, I had friendship groups that didn't work out. I've always had an awesome relationship with my parents. Like we definitely had our ups and downs in my childhood, like growing up at certain points as any family does, but overall they really love me. And at the end of the day, like I spent so much of my life hiding this from my family and friends, like truly, when I think about my eating disorder, to me, it just feels like something isolating because I really did go through it alone, which I know sounds stupid because everyone goes through an eating disorder alone, but like no one will ever know what it was like, like at the depths of it and, you know, the pain and the hate you feel towards yourself to make yourself physically hurt yourself you know I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy and it's the most awful thing to endure because it's not like you just like make yourself sick and move on with your day it's like I would wake up in the morning and it was all I could think about you know for 15 hours um and as much as I love like my family and friends no one will ever understand like what it was like to go through that for such a long period of time but they were there. And especially when I, when I did open up and I was honest with them, they were there to support me. Um, what helps you build your relationship with food? Honestly, the biggest thing is learning that everything that I had constructed around like safe foods versus not safe foods was completely wrong. Like good foods versus bad foods is literally wrong. You know, like at the end of the day, food have a calorie number. And yes, there are foods that are better for your body to process or have more vitamins. But if a hundred fries is a hundred calories and an apple is a hundred calories, your body will burn the calories, you know, or hold the calories. Like, yes, I know there's nutritional information, whatever, put that to the side. Like, I just began to see food as my friend and as equal. And one thing that honestly really helped me was following fitness influences because I would see their booties and then I would watch their what what I eat in a day and they'd be eating like three massive meals and snacks and having dessert and like lifting really heavy and I was like wait to like lift heavy and be strong you have to eat food and like I'm lucky that that was my goal. I think it's because I've always been naturally curvy, and I just realized that I was never going to be stick thin. That I was like, okay, well, I may as well use this to my advantage and get even curvier. Um, and I remember like really looking up to people like Tammy Hembrow, Cassie Davis, Cardia Henry, uh, what's another one? Gabby, Nikki Blackiter, uh Buff Bunny. All those girls. I used to follow them, and they all were eating really good meals. So I was like, wait, food like can't be the devil. And then especially this year, like working with Rosa, she always encourages me to fit food in that makes me happy. And I was like, okay, well, I really like Burger Fuel. That's like my favorite meal. Shout out Burger Fuel. Please sponsor me. Why hasn't that happened? Like, holy hell. So I really like Burger Fuel. And I started to realize like I could actually fit in a burger with my plan really well And nothing changed. I was still getting awesome results. And the more experiences you build around feeling safe with food, the better you're going to feel. You know, it's like a credit card. You're like stacking up experiences. Like you just have to stack it up, stack it up, like little by little by little. Like you're not going to wake up and be like, food is my friend. Like it's like that Finding Nemo shark, like fish are friends, not food. It's like food's your friend. Like, (laughs) fuck, but it is. And I ate food and went to the gym and my booty got huge. And I was like, hmm, I like you. I like you, little foodie food food. Um, How did I know it was getting bad? Yeah, there were definitely moments where it was much worse than others. I knew it was bad. I remember there was one time I drove to, like, four takeout stores. Like, I drove to, like, a KFC, a McDonald's, a Krispy Kreme, like, four takeout stores and I ate through up, ate threw up, ate through up, ate through up. A, such a waste of petrol, like bad for the environment. B, such a waste of money. But I remember doing that and it was like I would just go into a trance. Like whenever I would binge, I would literally just go into a trance. I would completely nearly black out. My vision would almost like go tunnel vision. And I swear to God, I could almost like hear a voice in my head, like egging me on, telling me what to do. I literally felt like I was under the control of something else. I would breathe heavy. And it was like, I, it was like very like addict behavior. Like I was like, I have to do this now. I have to do it. There's no choice. Like I have to go get this food. Like this, this is the answer. This is important. And whenever I'd come out of it, I'd be like, whoa, that is not normal. You know, it it was literally like taking a drug and the moment's, that that was happening more frequently was when I was like, this is really bad. Um, my relationship with food now, someone asked, is phenomenal, best it's ever been. As I said, I'm super, super, super happy in my body. Even like recently I went to Queenstown and I gained like, I don't know, three kgs eating so much yummy food with my family. And I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. Like it is what it is. And I still feel good. And it will come off naturally or it won't. And I love my body either way, with or without that three kgs, no problem. I'm so much more than my weight. Um, Other people, okay, this is a really good question. Someone asked how to deal with people making negative comments about food or their bodies around you. Okay, I struggle with this the most, especially with my mum and like that generation above me. I feel like their relationship with food and their body is so different. Like, my mum's always like, oh, like, I wish I was skinny. Not skinny, I should just be I'm so fat, you know. I don't want to eat that. Or it really gets to me. I really, really hate that. And as I got older, I just learned to shut it down. And not just with my mum, with anyone. Like, I will literally say... Don't say that about yourself. Don't say that about yourself. You're beautiful. I don't want to hear you say that. I'm not okay with that kind of languaging. I don't feel good when you say that. That's not true. Stop telling yourself that. Like I use those sentences I just said and genuinely call people out on their shit because that takes the biggest toll on me. You know, like when people, my friends are talking about themselves in a bad way or about food, that really gets to me. I know exactly what you mean, but have the confidence to shut it down. And the thing I noticed about doing that and setting those boundaries, because it is setting boundaries, is people start to respect them. And then the next time you're with them, they're like, ah, I'm actually not going to say that in front of Cass. And you know what else? It makes them internalize and think like, why am I actually saying that about myself? And that's really cool because I don't think anyone should think that about themselves. Everyone is beautiful, no matter what your weight, color of your skin, all these exterior things, absolutely nothing. Like, you're this intricate, amazing, beautiful soul. Like, how dare you bring yourself so small to feel like you were just some fucking number on a scale or a number on a tape measure. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, do I regret the toll it took on others? Yes, absolutely. I think there were years where my friends and family had no idea what to do and I swept everything under the rug and I'm super stubborn. So I just persevered with blind faith. Um, and I do regret that 100%. And that's an awful product of an eating disorder. And maybe if you're struggling with one now, that's something that you can think about that this is bigger than you in a way, and it does affect other people. Um, and it might be a little motivation to switch things up. Uh, does working out trigger you? Absolutely not. Working out, cures my life and getting into fitness in a healthy way was one of the, you know, it it was a huge chunk of my healing. Absolutely. I love, 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 love feeling stronger, not just for anything physical, but purely mental, you know, and such a stress relief, anxiety relief. If I'm not working out, oh God, help us all. You know, I'm like a T-Rex and then I work out and I'm just like, yes, this free liberated person. Um, so it doesn't trigger me, but I totally appreciate that it may trigger you. Everyone's different. And if it does trigger you, dude, maybe find some like really cool exercise that you can do that doesn't trigger you. Like I do pole dancing. Awesome form of exercise. Awesome. Like that is very, very fun. Makes me feel super confident in myself. Like You don't just have to go and do like Les Mills grit. You know what I mean? Like you could swim, you could bike, you could run, you could ride a horse, you could pole dance, you could pogo stick, you know, just find something that makes you feel good about yourself would be my advice. Uh, How to create a healthy habit when, without playing into diet culture. So like that person was referring to like a healthy habit with... Food and stuff. Yeah, diet culture, huge. Um, Again, doesn't work. Every diet I ever went on just led me to binge central because it's still, most diets are dropping your calories to such an extreme amount that your body is like craving help and craving excess foods and then bang, I really live from a place of abundance and I've really changed my scarcity mindset. I'm like, okay, Cassandra, if you, you know, one t- sometime I go to the cafe and the cafe's got some donuts and I go, you know what? Today I'm going to have a donut. Sorry, personal trainer. Today's donut day. Here we fucking go. And I eat my donut and I'm like, awesome, amazing donut. And then that lunchtime, I'm like, cool. Now I'm going to have my healthy lunch. I'm having my little whatever it is, chicken tacos, whatever. It's balance, like complete balance for me. And I know at any moment, and again, shout out my coach, Rosa, because she also encourages me to do this. Any moment where I think, hmm, kind of want that, I have it. And it sounds crazy, but the when you know that you can have anything you want, you stop to crave that bad food less because your body actually functions better on proper nutritious food. So when it's getting it frequently, it wants it frequently, and it starts to put that food to really, really good use. And you start to feel more energized, healthier, better immune system, clearer skin. My skin is so much better now. Holy shit. When I had an eating disorder, my skin was like cystic acne. I had, oh my God, I remember I had like 17 cavities once at the dentist. And my dentist was like, didn't know what to say to my mom. He was like, oh, does Cassandra like have a lot of fruit smoothies? Like she's got like 12 cavities. My mom was like, hmm, hmm. How's that shower running sister? Um. So... What was I saying? Yeah, food. Food is your friend. That's the big takeaway. But yeah, playing into diet culture does not work. This is the thing with all the shit. Oh my god, I wish I could scream it from the rooftops. Like the only thing that works is like moving your body, consistency. Finding foods you enjoy that is realistic for you to eat. What's not realistic for you to eat every day? Chicken and broccoli. That's gonna send you in a fucking spiral. Like, make healthy meals. Get like fish or make like a curry if you're ve- vegetarian. I don't know, whatever. But, oh, just eat, eat food. <laughs> Do squats, man. Fuck. Um. When was the last time you relapsed? I had a teeny weeny, teeny any beanie beanie trigger moment oh two and a half months ago and i was like over the toilet and i was like what are you doing ma'am stand up and it like started and then stopped and i was just like holy fuck and the first thing i did was tell someone so i reached out to a couple of friends i was like hey i just did this and they were like cool love that you told me always tell me here for you don't fucking do it again you're better than that and i was like sister yes um Did you get help from an outside source? Yes. So I had my naturopath. I had my mum. At times I have seen other professionals. It wasn't what totally helped me. I, and this is like, I want to give like a really quick shout out to sort of my own spiritual growth because I do really feel like I have made moves to become my higher self and I know that sounds woo woo and crazy, but listening to podcasts like Joe Dispenza, Tony Robbins, expanded podcasts with Lacey Phillips, uh, doing the 2B magnetic work, um, meditating, you know, reading so many books, guys. Holy moly, like nearly every book you could ever read. I really feel like I found a way to change myself and to grow past what I thought I could ever be, you know, to just like blossom. And that's a journey that I almost don't know how to put into words. And I, it's what I want to write about and to talk more about because, you know, and I, this is why I feel so passionately that you can do this too, because if I can do it, anyone can, you know, and I think there's an amazing place for therapy and therapists and psychologists. And I think it will, professional help will help. Absolutely. But I think, the choice comes from you, you know? Um, and I, I do, I'm very happy and passionate about, very happy and very passionate about helping people figure out how to flick that light switch, you know? Um, advice for when you binge? Yeah, great question. I think, number one, don't beat yourself up. Like, there's hundreds of millions of people who've experienced what you're experiencing, And it's about picking yourself up. One thing that, like, actually I used to do, I remember just now, was I used to get a notebook and I would write how I felt straight after I binged. And then when I wanted to binge the next time, I would read it and be like, nope, not going to do that. That was pretty, that's, I literally just remember that. I'd completely black that out. Um, But don't beat yourself up. Ideally, tell someone, I don't know why that helped me so much, but like tell someone you trust, distract yourself, have a little something that can bring you back to yourself, you know, like a song. I have a a necklace I wear every day and whenever I feel like anxious or I feel a trigger or I just feel outside of myself, I just hold the little diamond on the chain between my thumb and my pointer finger and I just come back to myself. And if you're friends with me, you know, you see me hold my necklace all the time. I just hold it and it just brings me back to myself. Um... So have a little something that brings you back to yourself, a little piece of jewelry you can just hold on to, or a song you can listen to and just be like, it's okay, I'm here, I made that decision, it was a bad decision, let's work on making that decision less, and that's all you can do. Forgive yourself. Constantly forgive yourself, you know, because it is hard, and it's captivating, and I know that if you're listening to this and you're struggling with eating disorders, it feels endless. You might have listened to this whole podcast and just be like, god, I hate that bitch because it does feel like you have no other choice sometimes. And if you feel like that, I completely understand. I'm I'm here with you. I was the CEO of no choice for like no choice in terms of healing from the eating disorder, not that sounded like a political slogan. Um I was the CEO of that company for like 10 years, guys. And I did it. And I'm so proud to say that. And I'm so excited to share more about this. If you did find this helpful, um, maybe I can go into more specifics. It's like, I really just feel like I skirted over the top with this entire podcast. There really is just so much to say. Uh, of course, if you're worried about a friend or about yourself, Please seek professional help. I am not a registered doctor or psychologist. This was just my story and experiences. I will put the links for professional helplines and such below. One more thing also, please don't ask me for advice on a psychologist you should see. I think I get a lot of DMs about that and everyone is so different You know, I really encourage you to do your research and find someone who works for you um, because that wasn't actually my exact story. So I just, it's just unethical for me to really suggest a psychologist um, and be like, this person will cure you, you know. I am happy to give out my naturopath if that is something you're interested in. But yeah, I hope that was helpful um, to some of you and I love you so much, and I'm always here, and I'm so proud of you wherever you're at with your journey. Um, I know that it's a tough one, but things are going to look up for you, okay? I'm manifesting it. I'm putting out good energy over you guys. I'm sending you blessings and love from my spirit guides to yours. I, with this podcast, give you a sprinkling of love and clarity and hope, So have the most beautiful rest of your day, night, wherever you're at listening to this and I'll see you next time. Bye.